Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is your host for the summer, Father Peter Teresa, joined by my esteemed colleagues and holy brothers in religion, the one and the only Deacon Elijah. Hello. And Brother Paul. Greetings. I think the deacon turned like British on He did. For he a did. Second. I did that last time too. Did you really? Yeah. So it's like a bit. It's a bit that we're working out. I think so. You're going to confuse our listeners who have never met you. They're like, hey, who's the British guy in the yeah. community? Well, sometimes you got to give people some you Italian know. descent, British accent. <laughs> that's right. That's what they all say about the deacon. That's what, that's what it is. So, oh, that's excellent. So, deacon, uh, just give us a little. What have you been up to recently? We uh, oh, in, the life, in the life of the diaconate. What, what's been keeping you busy on the rest of your uh, There's been a lot of really good stuff going on. Um, spending a lot Are of time. Are you having fun? I'm having a blast. Okay, that's what we wanted to hear. Uh, an absolute blast. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, spending a lot of time with uh, the kids over at St. Peter's, uh, doing a lot of house blessings, uh, different masses, you know. Uh, especially on the weekends, going to the different missions on Sundays and then even uh, vigils on Saturdays, getting to preach a lot. We just did a, a healing mass recently. Yeah. So um, a lot the, of really good stuff. The real reason I ask is just in case Father Anthony is listening, he knows that, that like, I'm actually doing Yeah, we're not just okay. like... But shout out to Father Anthony. Oh, the Camino's <laughs> doing great. <laughs> we are holding down the fort. We are doing work. And we do miss our, our dear father, our dear Felix leader um, yes. very, very much. So. Yes. Brother Paul, you doing? You, are you having a good summer assignment thus far? Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a great summer so far. Um, definitely, the Lord has blessed us with the weather in Phoenix. Yeah, it's been super nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, All you East Coasters. So. Yeah, no, this is the promised land, man. The the land overflowing with milk and honey. Mm. Um, but no, it's been great. Uh, just working with the novices has been really edifying. Also going to St. Peter's uh, Indian Mission School, just playing with the kids. I mean, as of today, I don't know when the podcast will come out, but we just got done doing main event, yeah, was which a was a blast. Just doing laser tag with the kids, bowling with the kids. Just tapped in my, my inner child was just really loving that laser tag. No, the laser tag was, was surprisingly fun. Surprisingly fun. Not surprisingly. I think me. you broke into giggles at some point. Uh, that's, that's He is known as a giggler. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that has ever been said about me. Time to end this part of the, the, this segment of the podcast and transition. But let it be known henceforth. <laughs> I have a very masculine laugh. You do. You and do. Way of commi- yeah, yeah, and yeah, you do. Communicating you do. have a me. commanding laugh. Of I, I, you have a laugh that commandeers the room. I am a jovial. I have a masculine joviality about For me. sure. For sure. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> you, for sure. Oh, uh, well, we are continuing our series on great sacraments. Yeah, shout out to just, Father Anthony. Just, had to, just had, to, had to bail on that before the brothers started saying other things about me that I was uncomfortable with. But anyways, but we are continuing our series with the sacraments, as we said in our last episode. Our our, our brothers here uh, just had a, a great class on the sacraments this last semester, so this material is, is is fresh in their minds and their hearts and just think this is a great thing for any and all Catholics to really just refresh ourselves and sink our teeth in because it's such an important part of our life, our spiritual life. It's the foundation really for, for everything that we do. Amen. Um, 
Yes. And so just a little refresher, uh, brothers, if you could please just tell us, uh, what is a sacrament? A sacrament. So a little definition here. It has four different parts to it, but it's a sacred sign that's instituted by Christ that efficaciously realize the sanctification they represent. So to build up the visible and invisible life of his church. As you were saying that, I realized that that definition follows like the four causes. Whoa. So you have the... You, have you the can't mater- just like drop yeah, that Yeah, that's, that's pretty wild, dude. Uh, so you have the material cause, you have uh, the efficient cause, you have the instrumental cause, and you have the final cause. That's so, pretty. So that's how you really know something, if you can answer those four causes. So That's pretty um, cool. But I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, derail us too much. No, that's, that is how you know something. Uh, and then if you have the matter in form, you've come to know what exactly. it being is, which we're going to go right into exactly. with the sacraments. So we have <laughs> our, our definition, uh, and then an important part. Of 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 coming to know anything is 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 to know, uh, we're, yeah we're trying to we're trying to figure out what 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 it is what what makes it up, and so there is also these philosophical terms we have called matter and form, and so uh, brother Paul, could you explain to us um, what is matter and form and, and why is that important in knowing what something is? So by matter we mean like the material elements. Or like sensible elements, like sensible meaning like they're tangible. You can touch them. You can maneuver them. You can experience them with your five senses. You can experience them with your five senses. So it's like this real tangible material, like material. Um, And so the matter then of the sacraments would be those material elements that are used in the administration of the sacraments. So in baptism, you have water um, and, you know, the anointing of the sick. You have the holy oils. And there are some sacraments that don't have material elements per se, but in the gestures that are done or like the different acts, I mean, for example, like in confession, what we would say is like the matter that makes up the material stuff of those sacraments. And then the form is like the essential like quality or nature of the sacrament. Um, and a lot of times we would say that the, the form is kind of identified, made made manifest through the words that are spoken. And so like when we think of the Eucharist, it's really those words that are spoken like this is the body of Christ, which has been given up for you. Um, that really then that, that, that like it showcases, makes manifest like the, the essential nature of what this Eucharist really is, which is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so that's what the form does for all of the sacraments. It's that essential nature, quality, um, of what they are. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Deacon. I feel like that was kind of a word salad. No, I think that A tasty word salad. A tasty word <laughs> salad. You got some dressing for the word salad, Deacon. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, no, I think that was... That Throw was, some croutons on the salad, brother. <laughs> oh my gosh. Some zesty Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well, if nothing else, we're making our listeners hungry, so... But, uh... I think the the other thing is um, just that the, the matter kind of locates, like, where the sacrament is happening. Yeah. And then the form, Mm. you know, like, um, I think brother Paul, you were basically saying this, but just, you know, shows forth the meaning, you know, or the purpose of of what's happening as well. So it's, it's communicating something to, um, to the one who is receiving it and even performing it if it's the, the priest or the minister. So, 
just, you know, maybe just a little disclaimer to our listeners that we're going to be a little more philosophical in this particular episode. We're just trying to really lay a foundation, really lay a groundwork. And then in our next upcoming episodes, we're really going to get into each particular sacrament uh, and and break that down. So uh, we're going to do our best to to kind of take maybe some of these philosophical concepts and maybe just make them a little more accessible, a little easier to to wrap our heads around and, and get our our, our, our hands on. And so maybe something with like matter and form, brother, um, would we say that like everything has a matter and form? Yeah. Everything, everything that exists has matter and form. So like by way of analogy, maybe just to help our listeners, like what is the matter and form of like a human person? Yeah. So the matter and form of a human person, we'd say the matter is like your bones your blood, the heart, the hair, like all of those kind of organic materials that make up your body. But then we would say that the form then, and when this is in, like, this is, we're definitely going to be, we're jumping in, but the, the matter we would say is like, it's, it's according to that particular subject, whereas the form is like the universal. So we all should like all human persons share in the form of, we'd say like humanism Mm -hmm. and the classic definition of the form for a human person is a rational animal, meaning that we have this rational aspect. Well, at the same time, we have like, um, those, like we eat, we drink, we have animal like qualities as well that we share in common with all animals. And so then the form then is defined by the matter, but like the human person, like it's like that humanness, it's like that we all share, it's the universal. And that's why there can be a crowd of a hundred people, but you can like, and one might be short, one might be tall, one might be really big, one might be really skinny, bald, one has a lot of hair. Hairy. Hairy, yes. (laughs) But you can look at all of them and you recognize that like, oh, these are, these are human persons. Yes. And like, why can we, why are we able to do that? It's because of the form that there's something that undergirds the matter that like kind of like is informed by the form that then lets you know what the thing is. And we would say for a human person that that is their, their soul. We would say the soul of the human person is the form is that. Yeah. And, and so I, I think, I think, cause, cause what I want to, what I want to really get to is that even in human persons, you have material stuff, you have physical stuff, you have sensible sensate stuff, but then it's, but then you also have spiritual stuff that makes it up. Um, and you need both of those things to have a human person. Yeah. And so we yeah. know that when you go to a, a viewing for the, a loved one that you died, um, or even if you're in the, uh, even in the room when, when someone dies, um, that, you know, it's, it's not them anymore. Even though all the material yeah, stuff yeah, is still yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and nothing, maybe nothing has even begun to decompose, but you know that it's not that person anymore because, because yeah. um, we're made, we're not just material mm-hmm. things, um, and we could get into all the reasons why we know that, but that's a different podcast for a different day. But all of that is to say is that sacraments have a matter and form, and so is there anything else we want we want to say about? matter and form for our, our sacraments. And we'll get into what the matter and form of every sacrament is in our upcoming episodes. I think that if, if you're feeling a little lost right now, that when we go forward, it will become clearer when, <laughs> when there's like, you know, the actual examples of what's going on with yeah, the sacrament right. and everything that we're saying, I think in retrospect will make more sense. 
I want to say just to ground it too, like this all does come back to like Christ, even like the idea of like matter and form. Yes. Like, why is this important that we understand these things? And it's because Christ took a human nature. Yes. And so it's like Christ himself had like a, a, a material body, an organ, like an, an organic body. He had, he shared in like human nature. Um, and then that then, and that then the sacraments also become reflections of that deep incarnational reality. Yes. And so, like, there is an importance to it. Like, there's a reason why the church has it, why we've defined it. And, uh, yeah. And that because we as humans are material and spiritual, the way then God communicates his life to us, his grace to us, his blessings to us, um, then those also have material and spiritual elements yeah. to them. Uh, and so um, maybe we can just then transition to the, the, the next points that we want to talk about. And we're going to throw some, some fancy uh, Latin words at you, and we're going to translate them for you and, and explain what they are. But the next thing we want to talk about with the sacrament is, is something that um, theologians call the, the sacramentum tantum. And uh, Brother Paul, maybe you could just translate that for us and tell us uh, what that is. Um, so the sacramentum tantum is just, we would say it's like the reality alone, or it's like the sign, like the visible sign. Um, and so like in the case of that for like baptism, be like the pouring of water, it's like the outward sign and gestures of like the actual sacrament as it's taking place. Um, and it also goes back to the definition of a sacrament that it's an efficacious sign. Um, so it has a sign value. And so the sacramentum tantum is that sign value that's communicating the reality, but it is like a physical, tangible sign that you can see. Yes. Yeah. So it, so basically, this is just that 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 sign part of mm -hmm. the sacrament. Mm -hmm. And even uh, I would just I guess just throw this out there too that like Please. what we're kind of going into is like there's kind of these three levels to the sacraments, mm -hmm. and it kind of starts out on like this real visible sense, and into like and then it's into like what like what's the essential characteristic of the sacrament, like like kind of what's at the heart of it, and then the inward reality then would be like the grace that it's imparting into the individual. And so we're starting with that outward sign that that sacramentum tantum, which is that outward appearance. And then we'll go into kind of the next two levels. You can kind of think of it like as ascending inward, kind of like three concentric circles where there's a bigger one, another one, and there's one in the middle. So this is the, the sacramentum tantum is just the, the outward sign. And so as you were saying that, um, so for baptism, that's the pouring of water. It'd be the pouring of water. It'd be the words that are spoken. It's kind of those those sensible things that you can see that are happening. So you see it and you hear it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Deacon Elijah, do you have any thoughts on? The sacramentum tantum? Yes. I mean, <laughs> Brother Paul, he's covered it. He's a, he's a smart fella. He's a smart fella. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, um, <clears throat> it's, um, I mean... Again, it's just, it, we're just going three different levels. So, mm -hmm. so then that next level, uh, so we're moving from the, the sign, uh, the, the next level, sort of the, the fancy Latin term that we have to describe this next level is called the res at sacramentum, not like the res where we live, but res as in a, a Latin word. R-E-S. R-E-S. Uh, and so what do we mean when we say uh, res at sacramentum? So the resit sacramentum is, um, it's the part of the sacrament that's abiding. So it's, it's what remains when the sacrament is report, uh, mm. was performed. Um, and it's distinct from the visible sign, 
uh, which is what Brother Paul was just talking about, the sacramentum tantum, so what is seen, uh, and also distinct from the grace, which is the res tantum, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but the resic sacramentum can be either a character, hmm. like an indelible mark, which yeah. we receive in um, three of the, the sacraments, uh, baptism, confirmation, and then holy orders, that there's a, a spiritual mark that is uh, put upon the soul that even if you are a Christian who, you know, God forbid, falls out of grace, that that mark, that character remains, yes. um, which is a, a quite a crazy thing to think about mm-hmm. because, you know, there's probably souls in hell with yes. a visible sign on them, mark, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but, and then there are certain sacraments where there's an abiding effect within the sacrament, um, and that it will remain as long as the sacrament itself remains. And so we'll, we'll kind of talk about that individually with, with each of the sacraments, but, um, just to know that. Could you give us like a preview of coming attractions? Like what is, so we talked about like baptism, confirmation, holy orders, this like makes a mark upon the soul. Yeah. Uh, but then what would be for the other sacraments? Like what would be an example of something that remains? Yeah. So like with the Holy Eucharist that when, mm. you know, so the sacramentum tantum would be the, the, um, the bread and the wine. And then when the priest prays the prayer of consecration, that the resit sacramentum is that it becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity in Christ, of Christ. Yes. Um, and then, you know, traditionally that we would say that once the, the blessed sacrament is consumed, that it remains about 15 minutes because that's about how long it takes for the body to digest something. Yes. And so once that's broken down, then also the, the resit sacrament, the abiding effect would, would also pass away. Or even if, you know, the you know, God forbid again, <laughs> a lot of God forbids here, father. But, um, if the, if the blessed sacrament somehow became corrupt, like if right. it was just left way too long or right. something like that, um, then at that point it would no longer be considered, you know, to, to be the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Cause it no longer has the, the outward, um, visible sign of being, you know, right. right. Body, uh, the, the, yeah. Right the so line. like, <laughs> If somehow like a church were just to be abandoned for like a century, but it had the blessed sacrament reposed in there, like, and it began to just kind of like break down. Mm -hmm. Once Um, it's no longer in the appearance of bread. Once it's no longer like that's what's abiding. Right. Got it. Got Mm -hmm. it. Yes. God forbid that ever happens is right. So we've gone from the visible sign to that which abides uh, or the character Mm-hmm. Um, and now we want to transition to talk about that, this last level and the fancy Latin expression is res tantum. So what do we mean by the res tantum of a sacrament? So the res tantum would be like a direct translation would be like the thing itself or like the thing alone. Um, or like, but we would say like, or like the reality alone. It's kind of like the invisible a grace, but I think that's the, the, the proper way to talk about it. Just to be to say that it's the grace that's conferred through the sacrament. Hmm. Um, but it's a particular grace that the, the sacrament is like made to like give, which would be like sanctifying grace. And so every sacrament uh, communicates sanctifying grace that actually then makes it possible for the soul to be like in relationship and communion with God. Um, and it's also like the fruitfulness of the sacrament or like the efficaciousness. So at the greater degree that we can like, 
um, surrender our own will, be conformed to Christ, like the more efficaciously we can receive the sacraments. And that would be the res tantum, that there's degrees of fruitfulness that the sacraments are actually like going to impart into you, that you're actually going to allow that to change your heart. Um, and so the limitation is really on the human person. And that's why we can say that, like, you know, we've all seen that, you know, there's certain people who, who may be just or like kids, like I, I'm, I'm an example or of that. Or maybe even ourselves. It's my easy mom, to my go mom, through the motions. My mom forcing me to go to church on Sunday uh, as I was growing up in high school. Um, is it nearly as fruitful as now me deciding on my own, like, hey, I actually want to go to church, right? So like the, the sacraments are more, they're more fruitful in my life because of that. And that's kind of a grace of like the res tantum. So the res tantum is like that invisible grace. Yeah. Uh, so what would be an example of an invisible grace of a sacrament, like a res tantum, say, of, of you know, baptism or confirmation or something so like baptism the classic one would be that it's the removal of original sin and like sanctifying grace so that you're actually back in like a relationship uh like with christ yeah yeah no amen amen so what if you anything you want to add to that i don't know um yes there's a lot i'm just trying to figure out how much to say about it um so i think the one thing and i think you were kind of touching on this brother um that's really important. And I think, uh, we'll probably talk about it as we go on, but, um, the, the important thing about the three levels is that it explains how, you know, a sacrament can be valid, which means it was done in the correct way and yeah. the sacrament actually happened, but that a sacrament might not be fruitful. Mm. So like, for instance, somebody might receive baptism. And so again, the sacramentum tantum, which is the sensible, sensible, visible sign, of the water and then the pouring um, happens. And then the reset sacramentum, which is, you know, the, the character is imparted upon the person, but let's say it's an adult who's not in a state of grace. They can receive that sacramental character, but they don't receive the res tantum, which is the fruitfulness or the grace that is meant to be imparted through that sacrament. And so I think it's really important to know this because I think a lot of times as, as Catholics, um, you know, we can maybe think about the sacraments as just kind of being like a magic, magical exactly. trick or exactly. something like that. Exactly. And like while, while um, you know, there is a great mercy on, on the Lord's part in that when the sacrament is performed correctly, even if, you know, the priest or the minister, here's another God forbid, is not in a state of grace, um, the sacrament will happen, right? It will happen even if, you know, the priest is is not in a state of grace and he's doing the mass, the, the Eucharist will be confected. It will become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Um, but because, you know, maybe the priest isn't in a state of grace that it won't help the people come to a greater faith in what's happening there. Um, because there is, you know, a, a sense where, uh, the priest's holiness does affect the mass, um, in a, in a way of fruitfulness. And there is a way where the, the people and their faith and their, um, their holiness as well, you know, helps them to, to receive more of the grace that is available in the sacrament. Okay. And yep. this is also uh, what Deacon was talking about too, that like, that's where the resident sacramentum becomes so important that, that even a priest, another God forbid, if in a state of mortal <laughs> sin, doesn't lose his priestly character. Mm -hmm. um, so there is like this abiding reality within the sacraments. Um, so that's why like the three levels are important, that it actually helps us to articulate and understand that like, while the, the priest may not be living a life of holiness, um, that it's still like a valid Eucharist, that the, 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 the confession's valid. Yeah, and this is a great transition to the next thing that I, I want to ask you guys about is 
the, the minister of the sacraments and then uh, those receiving the sacraments. And so we've, we've kind of been talking about that already with the priest. And so, so the, the ordinary minister of the sacraments uh, is, well, I guess there, it depends on the sacrament, but. Um, well, I, I think to, to first to say that the sacraments that the minister is always Christ. Yes. In each and every sacrament, that it's Christ himself who actually confers the grace of the sacrament. Um, and then I'm just, I'm going to read this quote. This is from the council, uh, it's from the catechism of the Catholic church. Um, the, the celebrated worthily in faith, the sacraments confer the grace that they signify. They are efficacious because in them, Christ himself is at work. It is he who baptizes, he who acts in his sacraments in order to communicate the grace that each sacrament signifies. I think that's, I think that's really, really important to kind of just drill home is that, um, that it is Christ working through and speaking through the minister, uh, at the, at the celebration of a, or the administration of a particular sacrament who is then, because only Christ can give his grace. Only Christ can give that. So it is Christ who is actually working through to baptize, um, so Christ baptized you and Christ confirmed you mm-hmm. and Christ forgave you of your sins. Yes. And Christ has ordained you to the priesthood. Yes. Um, and I think, I don't think we always think about that because it's so easy to see the, the sacramentum tantum, to see the visible sign, to see the man, uh, to see the water, to hear the words. Um, and it might be performed with, you know, not with not with no solemnity it might just seem very ordinary very plain very mundane on a on kind of a humid summer afternoon in in a church and there are flies buzzing around and this little baby's being baptized and it's crying and and it might be hard to to pierce through the mystery but but it is Christ who is baptizing uh any anyone at any given moment when, when that uh, sacrament's being celebrated i think it's also important just uh to recognize that too, that a lot of our Protestant uh, brothers and sisters would sometimes accuse the sacraments of like works righteousness or a time like a form of work that's like somehow we're doing something that then merit our salvation or sanctification or grace. And this is where like a robust understanding of what the sacraments actually are, that it's not that at all. Um, that instituted by Christ and performed by Christ, it actually becomes the means of like grace given, like with, 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 with no work done on our end, mm-hmm. so to speak, like nothing to merit it. Um, but it's really him who does all of the work Yeah, that then causes sanctification in our lives. No, it's so important. So we were also kind of just kind of dancing around this, this topic too. But the last thing I want to ask you guys about is just, um, you, you were kind of mentioning to brother Paul, like the intention of the one receiving the sacrament. Uh, and why this is so important to 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 think about, no, I, to reflect I, upon. No, intention is definitely important. But I, I, if we can, I think we should just finish in like let's, the ministers and like sure, yeah, please. And then sure. like we would say that um, like there are certain sacraments that only uh, like only like bishops can do, right? Who have been ordained to the the episcopacy, such as like ordinations. Right. And then it's proper, we would say, that bishops are the ones who confirm. Correct. Although that can be delegated. Um, and then we would say that, uh, and then and then kind of moving down with confession and anointing of the sick, it has to be done by a priest 
or a bishop who also has the powers of the priest because he was obviously a priest before he was a bishop. Right. And then for baptism and for like weddings, um, it's fitting that a cleric would be the one who baptizes and then also who witnesses the marriage. Um, because, but then this is the interesting thing about baptism though. It's that anyone can baptize, mm-hmm. um, and kind of, a, it's a very fascinating, no, a fascinating yeah. aside that yeah. we'll just say, but when we really get into is that even non-Christians, as long as they intend what the church intends yes. can actually baptize as yes. long as they do it according to the formula given by the church. Yeah. And it's a valid baptism. Yeah. And in a mysterious way, mysterious. we would say that Christ is the one baptizing in this non-Christian yeah. person. So it's pretty yeah. wild. It should only be done in an emergency. Please don't start baptizing. Yeah, we'll no, explain are, that when we get to yeah. baptism. Yes, yes. Please yes. don't start baptizing people. Yeah. No, 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 no. For, <laughs> unless yes. it's an emergency. Yeah, unless it's an emergency. Like, like in case of death, then you can death, move death, into that. Right. But other than that, right. contact your local parish and talk to your priest. <laughs> that's right. and the ordinary minister would be the... That's right. That's a good word. Yeah, the ordinary the priest, minister. The priest, the deacon, or the and then just and then just very briefly, I think we kind of touched on the ministers. Um, and then the subject would just be the person who's receiving the sacrament. Um, but then intention then becomes important. And then we would distinguish between kind of these different types of intention. So you'd have an actual intention, which would mean that you're consciously the entire time intending to do the sacrament the way it's been intended by the church. But then you can also have a virtual intention. Which means that you can like the example that you know can, can be given is that if a priest starts saying the mass, and if at some point during the mass he starts thinking about like oh like I have this meeting with with whoever right. after the mass, and he's still kind of going through the motions, we would say that that doesn't invalidate the mass right. that he didn't like stop saying it, but he has a virtual intention in as much as he hasn't done anything to communicate that he doesn't intend to confect the Eucharist. Right. So even if his mind wanders, we'd still say he has a virtual intention. Um, and then the, the last one would be just the habitual intention, which gets a little more, this would be a very specific setting, but it's the, the example normally given is that if someone in their life had manifested the desire for baptism and then was like put in a coma, mm-hmm. um, that they could still then receive baptism under the assumption that before they were in this vegetative state, they had desired and made manifest previously that the, the desire for baptism, to someone. they expressed they it might to be someone. In this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. And so then we can say that like, well, the person may not be conscious. They still had like habitual intention to receive baptism. And so <clears throat> as far as the subject goes, because most everyone who's going to be listening to this podcast are recipients of sacraments mm-hmm. and not ministers of sacraments. Um, what would you say to them about just fostering a, a good and proper intention to receive the sacrament? One thing I would say is that in the same way, you know, I was talking about the ministers there, but that we also have an actual and a virtual intention too. whenever we go to mass. And so an important thing to keep in mind is that like, if you're there with your four kids and it's like, it's at like the consecration and like all four of them start screaming and you have to like take care of these four kids. And like, you're not really focused on like the consecration, like, like that in no way invalidates your participation within the mass, um, that you had an actual intention to be there. And even if it's just virtual, um, by what, what, what's happening around there that like to still go receive the Eucharist, like, like to receive the sacraments. Um, and obviously we strive for an actual intention. Um, whenever we see the, the, receive the sacraments, but also like a virtual one, uh, it's like, it works. Like yep. it just works. Like you're there and like, and you're doing what you can do to participate in it. Um, I don't know if you have anything you want to add about like intention and stuff. No, I think just, uh, you know, again, the, the minister is just intending to do 
what the church does, meaning that, you know, that partic- particular sacrament that they're intending to, you know, baptize or intending to, you know, pray the prayer of consecration and, you know, see the, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ be present there or whatever it might be. And then the recipient um, just has uh, given through their intention, the consent to receive the sacrament. That's an important one. Yeah. So it's because they're, you know, an adult. So uh, an adult needs to actually de- desire to receive it, which is why we, we can't just get a fire hose and baptize everybody. Yeah, for sure. You can't just go to the mall and just start baptizing. But that would be pretty enemy. cool. Yeah. Yes. That would be, that'd be an interesting way to go about it for yeah. sure. Yeah. So just to reiterate that point that adult recipients need to express consent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The church is not in the business of, but you can't coercing forcing people. Yeah, you oh, yeah. can't. That's why even like, you know, with evangelization, you know, it's not a, you're not forcing somebody to receive mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, like they actually have to, to freely accept to it. want him, yes. you know, so it's. Amen. No, that was great stuff. Uh, we're just, again, this is a little more philosophical of a podcast for us. Uh, but, you know, just to say that we we try to just lay a, a groundwork here, just uh, trying to lay a base understanding. And then in our next upcoming episodes, we're going to get into each of one of the seven sacraments and kind of break this down more in depth, more fully and really flesh this out. I think maybe today we're just kind of making a skeleton and in the future we're going to start putting some flesh in, in, and, and blood in, in the next seven episodes that we'll, we'll refer back to like we'll say what the matter and form is we'll mm-hmm. say what the res uh at sacramentum is what the res tantum is what the sacramentum tantum is we'll talk about who the minister is we'll talk about who the subjects are um so these will be helpful things you just kind of know in the, in the back of your mind that these won't be be new things but it'll be things that you've already heard before because this is kind of how these are the terms and kind of the schema that we'll be using to kind of flush out and bring out a, a deeper understanding of each sacrament. Well, praise God. On um, this, uh, it's it's that special time of the episode, brothers. Bam, bam, bam. Oh boy! <laughs> Don't worry, I, I'm uh... run away. <laughs> and that's all, folks. <laughs> so uh, no, we'll, we'll we'll stick with a, maybe a more pious. Uh, question. Let's go. Let's go out there, man. We're 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 in a pretty. Pious. Yeah, I, just off the top of your head, just. Uh, well, the top of my head is not out there, so I, I'm in a pious place. Right okay, now, so just you, gotta, pious, you just got to you got to get what you get from me. Fair enough. So, what is uh, maybe because you're all studying to be priests? Um, other than saying and celebrating mass. Is there a sacrament in which you might uh, be excited or are looking forward to administering? Yes. Which one? Good <laughs> uh, Yes, uh, probably confession. Mm. I think confession will be uh, pretty wild. Yes. I mean, you just like, especially... Here's another God forbid somebody is in the state of of mortal sin. What's what's going on? But no, I mean, like if someone's like separated from Jesus and like you just, you can reconcile them to the father, like that supernatural life will like come back into their souls at the moment that you give them absolution. Like that's just incredible to me. Yes. No, it's, it's It's pretty well profound. profound The work of the father. Mm -hmm. Brother Paul. Uh, just to be different, I'm going to say anointing of the sick. Mm. And it was a, we just had a powerful moment with Father Peter Teresa uh, a couple of days ago where we just went and anointed a man who's dying. He has two weeks to a month to live. Um, and it's always pretty wild to walk into to situations like that. 
And I had this, my own particular thought during the situation is like, I could have walked in here as a friar and I maybe could have said some pious things and like tried my best. And I could have even begged the Lord for a particular graces to come, but like, there's not a whole lot that I can actually do. And it was so moving um, just to see Father Peter Teresa, just like administering this right. And just you know, especially we're all we're talking about the sacraments. We're talking about like like all the things that they do and like the power that they're configuring, like that they're giving in this moment, and like even just thinking of like the overflow of grace that's happening in this man's life. So I'm like, well, this is like just incredible watching like this priest who is Christ right now, like preparing this man to die. Um, so it's just a very moving experience. I mean, you know, to see the family there too, and obviously like it's a, uh, it's very sad. Like they're all very sad. Um, but there's something in it that I found very moving in the fact that like, there's still something holy about this Yes. in the midst of this sorrow. And the priest really does that. He brings something holy into the atmosphere. He really elevates it. Um, whereas when we experience, when we were faced with death, a lot of times we can maybe have that turn us towards like despair or, or like fear. And like the priest can just show up and all of a sudden it just reorients you to heaven. Yeah. Um, so God willing, I'll have many moments like that as a priest. Amen. I will. Deacon Elijah, that you will reconcile many souls, and I will that you just will prepare many souls to to be welcomed into the glory, Brother Paul. So, Amen. Thank you, brothers. Thank uh, you, Father. And next week we will get into Sacrament Numero Uno, baptism in English. <laughs> in English, just in case, because you said numeruno. I was confused yeah. for a second as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, it, well, you were talking a British accent. No, no we started. That's why. I mean, I, I we were think, throwing some Latin out there. We had some British. I think going I just want to put our our, our listeners <laughs> at just, ease. Yes. Just, yeah. Just in case they're wondering what they're getting into. <laughs> Baptism. It's coming. Uh, Brother Paul, would you please close us in a prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We thank you for the tremendous work of salvation wrought by your Son, Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection. And we praise you and worship you uh, for the sacraments that you've instituted so that we might be uh, in relationship with you and re to receive that divine life. And I just pray for each and every one of us and those listening that we would more efficaciously experience the fruitfulness of the sacraments in our daily lives. And in a particular way, we turn to Our Lady of Sorrows, asking that you would perfect our prayers before the throne of grace, we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith/give. That's becomefire.faith/give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.